Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Tingles Podcast. For full versions of the songs featured on this show, please find a link in the liner notes to our Tingles episode Spotify playlist, where all the tracks are featured in order of their appearance. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing super fantastic. Are you still stuck at home? Are you still working from your desk? Uh, I am. I'm working, I'm working from my bunker deep underground. Is it going? So you, you do have a bunker underground, so you're, you're trying to avoid all human contact. Well, I still have that Y2K bus that I um, buried. <laughs> I bought that old school bus and buried it for Y2K. Um, and so I just thought I might get some use out of it. The tins of tuna that have been there since 1999 are starting to get a little rancid. But yeah, those that, would be, it's, those it's would a be great rough. place. Yeah. And was that a high quality tuna that you ordered back then or was Oh that, yeah, yeah. Was that <laughs> a yellow even, yellow label no name tuna? Like our, our compliments or our no compliments. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. may you may have Chicken uh, of the sea. You should have gone highliner for that. Yeah, well that, that was definitely before it was uh what um dolphin friendly tuna. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> yeah. sure there are bits of flipper in there. Yeah, you you can imagine your like your kids being like, "Dad, you really screwed up our Y2K bunker. How did you buy the no-name tuna?" Yeah, uh, <laughs> you want I us can't. to live down here? We need good tuna. Yeah, good tuna. But hey, listen, at least you got something to eat, so that's good. And and the signal's pretty good from down there. It is actually. You know what? It's a uh, it's a great signal. Um, I think it's the coat hanger I have sticking out of the out of the ground. Um, yes, attached that, that, to the old uh, extension cord. I think that's what helps. And nobody's been tugging on that. Nobody's nobody's been yet. tugging on it. No, I think a few dogs have used it as a, a scent post. <laughs> they're, just, they're just there's urination constantly streaming down. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, it increases my signal when they do that. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> this has really gone to an interesting place. Uh, this week we're going back to us being know it alls, and we're the only guests on this week's uh, episode. That's right. We're doing a show we're calling the British Invasion. I called it that, which seems, you know, it seems logical. We're going with uh, British bands or British singers, songwriters, or British people in general. Uh, we're, we're doing it right. We're not including Ireland, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. So that'll be maybe another show, but we are going with the British invasion, trying to stay away from Radiohead because I think, hey, I can't choose Radiohead for everything. And maybe that's another show. That'll be a, that completely, will, different show. That'll be a completely different show. And um for myself, I'm actually trying to stay away from the Britpop era. That's right. And that's, I'm that's trying a, very hard to stay away from that. It's a hard thing to do for me, but I think maybe this week will be a, a good shot. I yeah, give hard, harder for you than me. But yeah, that's a, a predominant era for both of us, I think, in, in music. So I'm trying to stay away from that one. It is. It is. Well, why don't we get started? I believe it's my turn to you are up kick first the night week. off. That's okay. right. You're opening okay. the show up. Okay, interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to start with with a track that uh, I've known for a long time, and I've recently revisited. And when it came on, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is one of those songs. It is a a smooth and immersive electronic track. Uh, it has an interesting past and sort of an in- interesting origin story. Madonna was sent the track by one of the members of this group. Thought that maybe her ethereal vocals would be appropriate for this particular song." But she was actually beat out by someone named Elizabeth Fraser, who is from a Scottish dream pop band called the Cocktail Twins. And the two other members of this band wanted her instead. So Madonna got pushed to the side on this one 
And I don't know how she feels about it, but I can only imagine she's probably (laughs) still pissed off about that. Oh, probably. That's the kind of, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe Madonna's, I don't know. She's, it feels like she might be vengeful. So, um, so that's the, you'll, you'll hear these beautiful vocals with this range on the vocal that is just, it's, it's hypnotic, ethereal, I think is the word actually. Fraser, uh, interestingly enough, found out when she was writing the lyrics and the lyrics were originally inspired by a French philosopher, but she ended up feeling like the lyrics were written uh, about Jeff Buckley. And Jeff Buckley was a friend of hers, uh, who we'd already featured on this show, uh, a different song. But Jeff Buckley was a friend of hers, and she found out that he had drowned and passed away oh, during okay. the writing of this song. So the first song we are going to hear tonight is by a band called Massive Attack. And the song is Teardrop from the album Mezzanine. That is the first song of the evening. That's Teardrop by Massive Attack. And another interesting listen for me, like I, I'm just going to tell you how I res- like responded, you know, the Jeff Buckley thing and the underwater feeling of that song. It really mm. does feel like this sort of sinking feeling that you get from it. And, and over and over, she repeats the line, fearless on my breath. And I don't know if that is tied to obviously the fact that he drowned some things could suffer from a repetitive drum beat like that, mm-hmm. which just keeps going and going and going. But I don't think this one does because it has enough texture and sort of atmosphere uh, and sort of mood to it. So that's uh, that's my track number one. You're up for judging. You know what? I've I've uh, heard. I really like the Cocteau Twins. Um, I've heard some Massive Attack uh, material before. I haven't heard this particular song, but that uh, underwater sound that you referred to that's at one point that's what i was thinking is uh, this is kind of macabre sounding but if you were to do a a movie about jeff buckley's life and there was a scene where he you know goes into the river the mississippi river and the 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 boat wake sort of washes over him and then this could almost be the music that plays as that whole scene is taking place right because yeah it does have that that whole feel um I, i like the industrial beat sort of that was going on underneath the song and her voice it reminds me of was it aurora that you played a couple of weeks ago yeah it, it, it has the same that kind same of feel face. yeah it's yeah. got that same sort of um range to yeah. it that is just it cuts through it cuts exactly through so nicely yeah. that's right yeah yeah no i really like that one i think i'm gonna have to give that one a thumbs up it was a, a nice song i'm gonna add to my uh, my playlist and you're right I, I do think about that whole jeff buckley scene and 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 uh yeah, good story behind that one too. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same. Uh, uh, like when you mentioned the Cocktail Twins, there. Uh, that is another band that I haven't spent enough time on. But after listening to this, I'm gonna go yeah. back. And I started I, I started even just for the research of this this episode and and some amazing stuff. Like oh, yeah. great stuff, great material. It sounds like it was recorded yesterday. So I'm really excited about reconnecting with that. So uh, a thumbs a thumbs up to start the evening. Uh, Matt, are you listening? That's a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) When you feel a tear in your eye, then it's okay. It's okay to cry. All righty. Good start. 
You are you're off, to, you're a off to a good start. We're off to a good start. All right. So you are um, you're up for track uh, track number one of the evening. All right. So I've tried to arrange my playlist in chronological order. Um, we'll see how that goes. These these things seem to be a little bit, little bit fluid as we get into them. So we'll yeah, see how yeah. this goes. But um, my first song. Uh, as you are aware, uh, I am a supporter of Liverpool Football Club. I know you I are. Think you I'm know sure where this is going. Sweating, you're sweating right now. I, who knows what's going to happen with the? Premier. I know, which is going to be. Uh, hopefully, they can either finish the season or just basically declare the season over with a winner, not a null and void season. I, I can't imagine they could put it any other way. I mean, if any team deserves to have won this season, it's got to be Liverpool. And, and they probably deserve to win the last three seasons. But yeah, anyway, two for sure. The last two for sure. Last two for uh, sure. And, and, and what a, what a, I know, I feel like I know where you're going with this, but let's, let's keep it going here. Liverpool um, is a town in, in, in well, a city, in northern England that is, if you're familiar with the city, it's gone through a lot of, it's a very hard scrabble place. It's had a lot of ups and downs over the decades, um, a lot of downs through the post-war era, post-Second World War. It was really hard on the city, but you know, they've, they've, they, the, the city persevered. It's, it's a high-tech hub now, basically, um, cultural hub. I think it was named one of the European cultural hubs there a few years ago. One of the common themes that runs through the city of Liverpool is Liverpool Football Club. It's, it's yeah. huge there. And, and um, sorry to any Everton supporters who might be listening, but when you think of Liverpool and, 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 and soccer or football, you, you think of Liverpool Football Club. The, the fortunes of that club have kind of echoed maybe the fortunes of the city in some ways. There's been a lot of tragedy tied to the football club. There's been a lot of joy, and the, and this, and the team has brought a lot of joy to the city at, at times when the city was down and out, and and uh, the story of perseverance. And, of course, Liverpool is famous in the, in the 60s for uh, as some of the forerunners of the English and, uh, music invasion, the British invasion yeah. of North yeah. America. You know, you think about the... The four lovable mop tops, Jerry and the Pacemakers, and, and then the other four, the Beatles as well. Yeah, who's the other band again? I can't remember. Yeah, something. Always, yeah. I, I never paid much attention. Don, to Paul, something. Um, Dingo, I think. Dingo, <laughs> Pete, <laughs> Best. Uh, yeah, anyway, so. this song that I'm going to play uh, was actually released by Jerry and the Pacemakers in 1963. It was a number one hit for them in the UK, being from Liverpool and the Liverpool Football Club, before the games and during the, the, the halftime, they would often play at the stadiums the current top hits. And so, of course, this was a top hit, being the number one hit in the UK at the time. And it got played over the, the PA system at uh, one of the Liverpool games at Anfield. And it became an anthem for the team. And more than just the team, when you think again about the issues in, in that city and the ups and downs uh, economically and, and socially in the city, some of the things that the team has gone through, the Hillsborough disaster for one, Heisel is another one, S some of the triumphs, some of the tragedies over the years. Like the, the Hillsborough disaster, just touch on that for a sec, because I imagine not everybody knows about so, that. And it's, it's a really heartbreaking story. Yeah. So it was uh, 1989, uh, April 16th, I believe, 1989, 15th. And there there was a uh, football association cup, so what they, they call the FA Cup in the UK, and it was a semi-final game uh, that was being played, Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, and they were playing at an, at an old stadium called um, uh, the home of Sheffield Wednesday. The stadium was Hillsborough Stadium. In those days, they allowed um, standing behind the goals, so they had these paddocks, basically, and everybody just sort of crammed in in uh, these paddocks behind the goals, and... 
on this particular day, there was um, a, a large crowd trying to get into the stadium. The police had one entrance open to to the fans, and uh, sort of at the last minute to allow the, the the fans to get into the stadium, they opened a bunch of gates and allowed folks just to sort of rush in uncontrolled. And inside the stadium, everyone was being guided into a single paddock. And as a result, um, 96 people ended up being uh, crushed to death in that paddock just because the, the, the police basically funneled everyone into into one location. And as fans tried to escape, uh, in those days, they had the, the, the crowd gates around the field so that the yeah, crowd was like a fence, the field, a big right? fence. Yeah. As people tried to escape, the police were actually kind of beating them back into the paddock uh, until they finally realized that there was an actual issue. And so it was a... It's one of those things. It's 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 uh, uh, marked every year. Obviously, um, ninety six people uh, killed in that episode, and so this song kind of fits with the history of not only the club but the history of the life and times, I guess, of the city itself. The perseverance against um, bad times. Um, the song itself was actually written by Rodgers and Hammerstein for a uh, a musical called Carousel. Jerry and the Pacemakers, as I mentioned, recorded it in 1963. And since then, it's become the anthem of Liverpool Football Club. But beyond that, it's also played and, and become the anthem for a number of other sports teams around the world, including Borussia Dortmund, who's another football team from uh, Dortmund in Germany, um, other teams around the really? world. Really? I didn't know that. Song. They've yeah, been adopted their, as well. I mean, Liverpool's yeah. got it on their crest. It's like, Exactly. They actually have it on their crest and on the uh, the Shankly Gates at the stadium itself. It has mm -hmm. the debate, you'll never walk alone um, right, across right. the top of the stadium. So now that I've given that away, this yeah. song is called You'll Never Walk Alone. And this is from Jerry and the Pacemakers. Walk on, walk on With hope in your heart And you'll never walk After the disaster, um, uh, I think it was thirteen or fifteen thousand people gathered outside of the one of the cathedrals in Liverpool, and about five thousand people were inside the church, and they had a single choir boy sing that song. Oh man! And yeah. uh, I guess it was it was quite touching. Obviously, even if you're not a, a soccer fan or a Liverpool supporter, if you go and watch some of the videos on YouTube. That's enough to make your, your hair stand up. Yeah. You hear there's a video of, of Liverpool playing a, a friendly game in uh, Australia, and they are playing in front of 90,000 people, and 90,000 people are singing that song, and it's absolutely hair-raising. Uh, same with when they, when they actually played Borussia Dortmund a couple of years ago in the Europa Cup, Europa League uh, uh, semifinal game at Anfield. You had the Dortmund supporters and the Liverpool supporters all singing together. It's very touching when you, when you see some of these scenes. But beyond that, just the song itself and the lyrics itself about the idea of perseverance and to walk through the storm, you know, there's a, there's a golden sky after the storm. It's just a great song of hope. The lyrics speak to hope. Just to persevere, if you're suffering through dark times right now, just remember there's a golden sky and um, the sweet silver song of a lark uh, ahead of you. <laughs> just walk on through the storm, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great lyrics, great song. And for me, there's, there's this whole aura of, of, the, of, of a football team and, and that culture around it as well. Yeah. I mean, every time I hear this, I watch a lot of football slash soccer 
all the time. Uh, I don't have a particular team as we've discussed before. Mm. I, every time I hear this, every time I watch a Liverpool game and they're singing that, I get the same feeling. Like I, that's the tingles. Like it's, it just sort of comes and, and because it's so, it's such a moving thing. I think it's a lot about like the collective community again, right. rallying around those who are struggling at a particular time. The, the, the way the lyric moves and slowly scales up and up right. and up and up and up, it, it gets more and more powerful as it goes on. I'm not going to lie, dude. I've never heard this song. I've only ever heard it sang by the 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 community that would be Liverpool Soccer Club, and, and and it's beautiful every time. And so it's sort of interesting to to hear it this way and almost project the crowd onto it because that's right. the only way I've ever heard it. I think it's great. I mean, I love soccer. I love Liverpool. I love everything sort of British. And and this is a movie. It's a moving. It's a moving tune, man. That's a Liverpool has gone through a lot. That's a beautiful, beautiful uh, sort of tribute to to those people and, and to that community. So. And Huge I believe George up. Martin direct uh, uh, produced that as well. Oh, really? I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, some good music coming out of that era at that time. So for sure, let's get in the thumbs up, buddy. Off for uh, we're two for two. Off to a good start for me too. When you feel a tear in your eye, then it's okay. It's okay to cry. We are moving on. That song, uh, Michael, was two minutes and 44 seconds. I'm going to beat you on this next song, which is shorter than that. <laughs> okay. I got, I got grilled last time for a song that was too long. And That's this true. Is, I'd say this is a, a fourth of the length of that song. Okay. But it's a beautiful song. It's super simple. There's two instruments, you know, maybe one recorded a couple times. But this song, the, the particular album was actually recorded in two late night sessions uh, with just a voice and a guitar. And that particular album uh, was dropped onto the label's desk and it is now one of the most influential folk albums of all time. So uh, it's a significant one. It's another sad story in a sense. When I think of myself at 26, I feel like, man, that was a long time ago. There's a lot, there's a lot to go. And you always hear of artists passing uh, early on in life Mm-hmm. and they sort of get frozen in time and you hear their voices and you're like 26 what an incredible achievement what a what a way to sort of leave your legacy and 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 unfortunately have to leave it so soon it just seems sort of seems sort of wrong this particular artist um passed away when he was 26 overdosed from antidepressants and nobody really knows if it was intentional or not intentional and and the artist we're talking about is Nick Drake Uh, and at the time he was living with his parents and he would often get up in the morning around dawn, go in and take a couple antidepressants in the morning, just sort of, sort of coast into the day. Uh, (laughs) and he'd done this, I'd done this on, on many occasions. Uh, and it just so happened that on this occasion, uh, his mother went in around noon and and found him there and, and, uh, non-responsive and, and that was it. So it's what is possible in, if you've got the, the song and the vision, if you can go in and you can execute uh, and you can leave it all out there. A lot of albums, a lot of bands go in and they're multi-tracking and this, that, and the other thing. But when you think about it, how beautiful these songs are and how quickly they were recorded, I mean, that's sort of what it's all about. Simplistic, uh, a great recording, 
And so this next song is filled with all those little imperfections. And if you go through the album, you can hear the hum of like the guitar, like strings sort of hitting the guitar wrong or just sort of like losing its place. Like it's just filled with all this sort of weirdness and it's beautiful. So this next song we are going to listen to is Pink Moon by Nick Drake. Zoe written and a Zoe say Bring the moon is on its way None of you stand so tall Bring the moon gonna get you That's Pink Moon by Nick Drake, uh, made famous by a Volkswagen commercial. I can't, I don't know if you remember that commercial. It came out in probably 19, which is hard to believe. It came out in the late 90s. It was probably 99. Volkswagen used uh, that in a commercial where a car was sort of driving down a night road and this big, massive moon sort of comes up over the horizon. And uh, anyways, I'll always remember that. I mean, I think in advertising, there's these certain spots that sometimes they get the song so right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and that was probably back in the days where I was like, really, they're going to use music and advertise? Like that artist yeah. allow that? Whereas now it's just sort of generally accepted as a way to make money in a, in a day and age where people don't buy their music at the CD store, on, where, where, where they're just at the mercy of the, the royalties coming in from yeah, exactly. sites like Spotify and stuff, which yeah. just isn't enough. If to you survive. get 1 billion plays. You get 1 billion plays and you get maybe 100 bucks. I think it's just a, such a pretty song. Like the teardrop we heard before from Massive Attack, there's this piano part that comes in mm-hmm. uh, sort of unexpectedly halfway through and just sort of like the perfect amount of room tone in it just has some warmth and beauty that is it just it echoes through the piece and it's not overbearing at all but it feels so close his vocals are recorded probably very close to the microphone with a high level like it's just an interesting recording and uh, and it sort of lasted through the generation so that's me yeah i really like that song i like the piano as you mentioned it reminded me of more of an accompaniment to the song yeah. complimenting the the, the the lyrics as opposed to any kind of driving any kind of melody like it was obviously a guitar song the vocals very important in the song and it was almost like the piano is just sort of there complimenting what's going on it's not uh, uh intrusive it reminds me of again being from the east coast and having grown up around a lot of cape breton style music where a piano often accompanies a fiddle it's yeah. sort of that uh, it just underlies it and, and it just follows what's going on with the, with the fiddle and where the, the fiddler's leading them. And that's what this reminds me of. It's like, it's where's the, where's the guitarist going? Where's the singer going? I'm going to follow them with the piano. Yeah. That's where it was yeah. kind of the sense I got from that. And, and simplistic too. Like, it's you know, very, just, yeah. Just one or two, like, it's just notes. It's not yeah. anybody playing anything fancy. No, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Like, it's just like, oh, right. you're going to do that. Well, my, my, you know, my seven, eight year old could probably have written that. And, and, it, you know, and that's what's great about it. It's right. like, there's nothing, it's, it's, it's just it, perfect. Exactly. But it's the timing of that, even though it's a very simple part, it's the timing of it in conjunction with the rest of the song that takes somebody with a lot of musical genius to put that, to, to, to know when to play that totally uh, particular yeah. uh, um, line, I guess. Um, yeah. and, and actually, when I was listening to that, I was actually thinking about the, the first song you played, Teardrop. The vocal that she does in that song, you could almost pair it right down to instrumental tracks similar to what we just heard. 
Yes. So imagine taking that vocal and playing it against something as simple as just a couple of guitars and, and a piano accompanying them. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of some of these vocalists where they're just, they've got so much personality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, th- we spoke a little bit about it last on episode five, the tendency for vocalists today to sound the same, uh, at least in pop music, it starts to sound the same. And I think that's a shame. And like, and, and you've got, there's so much character in some of these vocalists, whether it's the, the accent of that, that person. I don't know. There's just these interesting imperfections. They probably weren't as influenced by everyone. Uh, well, certainly not. I mean, you only have to go on online for a second. You can know exactly what's popular, exactly how it was recorded, exactly who mm. it was recorded with. You know, half the pop songs out there are probably recorded by the same producers, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And, and so everything starts to sound the same. And so I think that's what's so fun about going back to this stuff. It's like, no, no, this was, this was the real deal, man. This was yeah. like people writing how they felt pulling on influences probably locally in their community, but that's as far reaching as maybe it would even go. Or like right. the few records that they may have had in their arsenal and been able to carry around, they wouldn't even have, you know, most of this wouldn't even like cassette tapes yet. So yeah, that's right. uh, it really is the artist and that's it, you know? And uh, anyways, we could go on, on and on for that, but uh, that is a, I think that's a thumbs up. Is that a thumbs up? It's definitely up? a thumbs up. Yeah, for sure. We're rolling here tonight. Okay, here we go. When you feel a tear in your eye, then it's okay, it's okay to cry. Okay, Michael, you're on to song number two for you. Well, I'm glad the last two songs we've played have been short because it's my turn now to play a song that, as our producer would say, is too long. <laughs> um, this, this was released by Elton John in 1975. It was a single from his album, uh, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy which in my opinion is his best album. The song is actually about uh, an attempted suicide by Elton John. Uh, he had been engaged to be married and um, probably at the time, maybe not realizing he was gay or maybe knowing he was gay, but it not being acceptable. He uh, was engaged to be married to a woman and he realized he didn't love her. He didn't really want to get married, but he felt trapped in this relationship. And that's when he, basically attempted, half-hearted attempt at suicide. He ended up actually spending time with uh, Long John Baldry after this. And in the song, the someone who saves his life, uh, he's uh, supposedly referring to Long John Baldry. Yeah. Who's, who, uh, who, uh, explain to me who Long John Baldry is. Long, Long, Long John Baldry was a, uh, a, a kind of a, a blues singer from the 60s and 70s uh uk he had he had a couple of um he had he was popular in the uk had some hits in the uk a couple of of crossover hits that that made it to north america especially in canada from the 60s through to the early 80s bluesy uh, mainly blues i guess music but sort of um, blues rock i guess okay uh, yeah and uh, he would have been quite popular in that early uh 70s era early to mid 70s and one of one of his songs is um play me a rock and roll song remember that one i think so yeah play yeah, I think me I do. a rock and roll song yeah. uh, anyway so he he was you know obviously in the music scene at the time uh elton i guess kind of went to him and, and got some guidance and so on from him so that that's kind of what the the song is about it's it is a long song but it has a great sort of story to it. And um, I love the piano uh, at the beginning, the way the piano sort of 
comes in at the beginning and the way he just sort of pounds away at this piano, it's, it's almost orchestral. Even though it's a single piano, it, the, the amount of sound he gets out of it is, is incredible at the beginning of the song. So this song is called Someone Saved My Life Tonight by Elton John. Classic fade out there. I uh, love Melton John. When the fade out, when it's well deserved, that was a long that. song, but um, didn't feel long. It didn't no. feel long. It feels. Uh, I mean, you're, I want you know. You say your piece, and then I've got mine. Yeah, it's it's, it's a long song, but there's a number of things going on in it. Like, uh, um, so the first verse is basically him as piano. I think a bass guitar, little bit of guitar going on, little to no percussion. And then partway through the second verse, the percussion kicks in and just has a, a great beat to it. The lyrics are great. Uh, the story that's going along, the story is true that he is contemplating suicide basically to get out of this marriage he feels trapped in or, or the engagement that he feels trapped in the relationship. And uh, so someone helping him get out of that relationship, apparently his parents came the next day after he attempted suicide uh, to pick him up in a van. And, the, and one of the lines in the song is, um, came with a truck to take me home yeah, um, yeah. in the song. It's just a really good song. And then I love the last little bit there at the end. The bridge is great. And then, and then that kind of fade out at the end. Someone saved my life tonight, repeated over and over again. And he had such a great voice in oh, the early to mid seventies, yeah. you know, he, he had whatever issue happened there in the late seventies, early eighties with his voice that dropped it down a few octaves, which also must've coincided with his music becoming schlock. But um, up to that yeah. point, he had some really great albums. And, and like I said, this is one of my favorites, the um, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. And, and this is my favorite song off that album. It's a great, it is a great song. I didn't know the story. I think I'd heard maybe moments of this before, but you know, I, until you mentioned this John Baldry thing, I mean, I would have had no idea that Sugar Bear is like a, a guy named John Baldry, who's essentially talked him off the, the ledge of going to get married and, and all those little elements throughout the song, whether it's butterflies or free to, and you're a butterfly free to fly away. Like all those things are, yeah, fascinating. And I, I watched the, the recent movie, uh, the Elton John movie. I didn't love it. I mean, I, for me, it was just a little bit like Bohemian Rhapsody and it felt a little watered down to the musical. And I just, sometimes I like, I like my rock docs, like more gritty yeah. and more real. The thing I liked about that movie more than anything is the link between uh, Bernie Taupin and Elton John. Because right. like you think about the intimacy that you'd have to have with somebody, a writing partner, to be able to tell him that story. I thought that was really well presented in the movie in terms of like just how close those guys were and how close they remain to be even to this day. Because a lot of egos would have gotten in the way of that. You know, right. uh, Elton John, no, I can write my own lyrics, screw you, Bernie Taupin. Yeah. But Elton John didn't do that. He knew what his strengths were. And Bernie Tobin knew what, what his strengths were. And those guys have worked together to create some of the greatest music of, of our lifetime, right? Which is just, mm -hmm. it's so cool. It's so cool that that can exist and that kind of relationship can exist where somebody's on stage taking pretty much all the glory while the other guys back there making these incredible lyrics that when you read them, you're like, that's not going to work in a song. 
You're, you're like, you read the line, fly away, highway, bye-bye. You're like, what? That's not yeah. good. And he delivers <laughs> it in such yeah. a way. It totally works. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. It sounds, it sounds great, right? So I, yeah, no, I think, I think it's, that's a, it's a beautiful song. I'm sure there's so many more from Elton John and those guys that we could, we could pull out. Yeah. I mean, we so, could do a whole show really on, on Elton John, um, his 70s stuff anyway. Yeah, no, I'm super glad you played that because I don't have Elton John on my list tonight, but sort of deserves to sort of be there. That's a great song. Um, we're four for four. This is a, a real treat. We're giving the audience a real treat tonight. Today. And no extra charge for this show either, by the way. No folks. extra charge. No. Um, no, you can listen to this 100% for free. Uh, you just have to send um, Mike some tuna. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. Unexpired, please. Unexpired tuna. I'll tell you where to drop it off. And he's, yeah. got, a, he's got a ferret that goes out and will drag the bag back into the... Uh, Twice daily, the ferret goes out. Yeah, if you're just tuning into the show, you're wondering what the hell we're talking about. Uh, but yes, great song. Uh, that's getting a big thumbs up. When you feel a tear in your eye Then it's okay it's okay to cry. Well, we're really rolling here. Uh, and I'm going to keep it uh, back in the era that you were just in. I'm going to follow that voice up with two of probably the most incredible voices of our time. Besides ours, you mean? Besides, besides our. It's a song, uh, you'll probably guess it, the bass line is completely iconic. It was used in a terrible hip-hop song which everybody loved back in the early 90s by a guy named Vanilla Ice. Probably tainted the song a little bit for me because I, I, I don't think I'd listened to this as much before I'd heard Vanilla Ice and I was trying to convince my parents. I don't know if you remember that Vanilla Please Ice. Please buy me the Vanilla Ice album. Please. <laughs> no, no. Even worse. I was <laughs> Let like, me shave my eyebrow like I was him. like, Please buy me a pair of... <laughs> Can you believe... Like, wait. Right now it sounds hilarious <laughs> to say that. I was like, Mom and Dad, I need a pair of American flag hammer pants. <laughs> and I will forever thank my parents for coming up with a great excuse for a reason not to buy me those stupid looking things because they would have looked god awful. But it's amazing that I would have even asked for that. Yeah. Uh, but I did, but I did. And that, there was a back in the day, I don't know, Mike, if you remember it, there was a youth world dances down at the, uh, I think maybe you were a little bit you were a little bit older than me, so you might not have experienced those. But there was a there was a DJ group that would go to the church, the Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh yeah, yes. down at the bottom of Rockingham. I was often made to go volunteer there by my. Parents. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Steve and the boys would show up. Steve and the boys were the uh, the local sort of DJs that would show up uh, with the best mullets that you've ever seen. It was like these guys are a a band themselves and they'd stroll in with all their, <laughs> with their hammer pants on their hammer and their speaker speakers. And they put them on the stage and they would throw out, Oh man, you know what? We should almost do a Steve and the boys episode. And <laughs> yeah. Pull out some of the slow jams and stuff. That, oh my God. Yeah. That'd that. be awesome. you know, Young you'd be yeah. Yeah. You'd be low. You'd be dancing with a girl, like with your hands, like on her hips with like a full arm extension and her yeah. arms would be on your shoulders. It was sort of like that. It yeah. was amazing. Right. But that was like the first days of like, think about going. Jesus. We're in a church. Think about <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah. It was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but that was Steve and the boys so a, a little bit. Anyways, Steve and the boys crushed um, some vanilla ice down there. So uh, that does have something to do with this song. This particular song came out in 1981. 
it was, I think, developed on, on, on the back of a, another song that was in the works by uh, Queen and David Bowie at the time. And so they were collaborating on another song, but that wasn't working out. And they ended up going into uh, what eventually became Under Pressure. And I think that was in Montreux, Switzerland, which I've actually been to the Montreux Jazz Festival to see, uh, to see that one time when, I guess that was early 2000s. I was over there with my sister and my brother-in-law and we got a chance to go see it. And there's an incredible statue of Freddie Mercury. There. Oh yeah! Nice. Oh yeah! Like just beautiful statue. I mean, you can they take their music very seriously there. That is a pretty iconic place for um, this music festival. So that's the Montreux Jazz Fest. There's disputes over who wrote the bass line. Uh, in the end, the the bassist for Queen Deacon was credited with it. And I think lyrically, you know, I think you can interpret it in so many different ways. Whether it's about the pressures of like uh, life or love mm-hmm. or the pressures of uh, revealing one's sexuality in a time when it wasn't accepted at all. And it's, you know, talking about, you know, pressure that burns a building down, splits a family in two and puts people out on the streets. Like mm-hmm. it really like talks about people's lives and you really feel the pressure and like, and the vocals. I mean, we'll talk about it a bit more after we listen to it, but I mean, I don't think there's any, you know, two, I don't think there's a better duet on the planet than this. We're going to listen to it. This is Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. Interesting that it ends with these just like simple clicks. Yeah, like, like the finger snap. The finger snaps. It's just almost like, yeah, we've just been standing around. We just we have yeah. you know nothing. Nothing big's happened here. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've gone on this like complete roller coaster ride. Yeah, it goes up and down and like all over the place with like sort Can of bop bop boobity bop bop things. Like <laughs> nobody should be able to do that and get away with it. And it's still somehow come across as like cool and interesting. There's a couple moments where it it really sort of gets to me. I think it's uh, the terror of knowing what the world is about and watching some good friends screaming, let me out. And so I think uh, Bowie's singing that, you know, meanwhile, you know, he's uh, Freddie Mercury's over there doing like some other cool thing, which yeah. is, is sort of cool. Like I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they were arranging that and being like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Or did they yeah. just record it all? Like, you know, like one person do the vocal take and the other person do the vocal take and they just blended it all together. Uh, and it all comes back down to, you know, love being an old fashioned world word, but, but ultimately being the solution for a lot of the problems, mm-hmm. same problems that we're facing today, same problems that we faced it uh, hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago. It's all sort of boils back down to sort of the modern day pressure and forgetting maybe to watch out for our common man. So I don't know. I, I think it's, it's easy to uh, listen to that and just be like, yeah, it's a great song. But I think when you get deep into it, there's a lot going on there that is pretty significant. Yeah, I agree. The part that I really like is when uh, Freddie Mercury sings a part, Why Can't We Give Love One More Chance? That's kind of the, the, the rock, rockiest part of the song. Great uh, drum lick in that, that, that part, um, just the way the whole music feel and Freddie's vocal. I mean, he was probably, I don't know, I'll say it is vocal peak during this yeah, recording um, or certainly displaying his vocal prowess during this recording. So yeah, I, I really like this song. You're right. Uh, Vanilla Ice did 
taint it in in some ways. Surprised um, he got away with it. I'm surprised he got away with that. I know, and and this song for me for a long time I didn't listen to it, whether because of Vanilla Ice or whatever. It's almost like when you heard that bass line, you sort of lost interest and turned it yeah. off. But yeah. in the last number of years, I've I've kind of gotten back into it, and I know you were um, kind of panning the uh, Elton John biopic, but the um, Bohemian Rhapsody movie about Freddie Mercury yes, yes, and Queen yeah. was was great. Before that movie i had rediscovered the song a little bit but um but that movie itself made me listen to the song again yeah re- really good song so many different things going on it. the vocals are by both artists by bowie and um, um by freddie are, are incredible and i had a david bowie song lined up for tonight but i i decided not to to include that on the list so it, we'll, yeah we'll this have sort to of do... gets this sort of gets both, both exactly just, but t- they, t- they... take two super groups out of the way 100%. or super group and a super artist i guess yeah, with a, with a great with a great song, and I mean, I think yeah. that's the vocal performance, like you said, of Freddie Mercury. Like, I don't know, you know, the greatest. Probably, he's probably the greatest frontman. Like, there's there's a few up there that are going to be around him, you know. But you know, Robert Plant, and uh, trying to think who else you put on well, that Jagger. List. I mean, Jagger, yeah, great, Jagger, great and then. Uh, but but I mean, like you know, wow! Like when you see yep. when you look back at the way he controlled Wembley stadium and oh, yeah. that old stuff. Like, and everybody gravitates to that. Like Audrey, right. two years ago, I was playing queen and they're like, she's like into it, you know, yep. and there's so many songs to be into. And there, there are these operatic moments that you're like, instrumentally, it's really an interesting song too. And it's easy to just focus on the baseline. But when you go through it, there's all these interesting things happen. I mean, we, you know, we could talk about Bohemian Rhapsody and all that stuff, but yeah, I mean, well, Funny because you mentioned, you know, my, my youngest daughter who's into, uh, we talked, I think last week about sort of formulaic music and some of the, the templates now around popular music, hip hop, and, you know, some of the new country that all seem to follow the same format and the same template. Um, she listens to all that music, yet she loves Queen. Yeah. And yeah, I think people- loved the movie. We saw it twice in the theater. We've seen it once at home. Um, we listened to the soundtrack. We've we've listened to some of the Queen albums, uh, Night at the Opera. Um, she's she's big into it. So uh, you're right. It sort of transcends music, uh, age, and and musical styles. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. So we're, we're thumbs rolling. up again on that one. Thumbs up again. I can't believe it. This is a right now. We're we've got a clean sweep. Let's. When you feel a tear in your eye, then it's okay. It's okay to cry. Okay, Michael, you're up with your song, uh, song number three of the evening. Not to uh, to overplay the whole soccer slash football theme, um, but I am I'm, going to. I'm okay with it. Uh, I figured this might get a, get a vote from you, a cheap vote from you. I'm kind of skipping from the mid-70s now up to 1990. I had some songs lined up from the 80s, but um, but those will have to come on another show. This, this song is from New Order, so huge uh, English group. They came out of the the uh, the ashes of Joy Division, right? And they had a number of hits on their own through the um, through the eighties, and, and and were were huge at the time, late eighties into the early nineties. They were asked to put together a song to celebrate World Cup nineteen ninety. So this right. is the Soccer yeah. World Cup nineteen ninety. Every World Cup, uh, there's usually a theme song for that World Cup to be commissioned by the by FIFA, um, who who control the World Cup, but usually. Uh, some of the, the bigger s- soccer nations um, will kind of have a, a theme song for their team um, right. going into into that particular competition. And so New Order was asked to put together 
a song for the 1990 World Cup. I believe in the end, England lost in penalties in the semifinals. To Argentina, probably. To Argentina. Was it Argentina or Germany? I'm trying to remember. Anyways, it was, it was painful. That's right. It was it was another semifinal and another penalty loss, which England has become. I remember. For. I remember watching it. I would have been ten years old, uh, and we were at a soccer uh, tournament down in the valley at uh, Old Orchard Inn. But we went. I remember being in the room with my father and all his soccer buddies. It was like the greatest time for kids. I mean, I'm sure the Old Orchard Inn was a bit of a dump then. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. but it, it felt Not a resort like, now. No, but it felt like as a kid, you were like, this is. The best weekend of my life. And yeah. we were going uh, from room to room to room to room. And we would watch uh, the games. And we would, you know, there was Italians on the team. And there was Argentinians on the team. And English guys and Scottish guys. So it was sort of fun. They were all immigrants. And we would be in this room. And I remember watching that game where mm-hmm. England went out on penalties. Because they always did. And I remembered, you know, I'm sure my dad threw something across the room. <laughs> Probably. And, <laughs> and that, usually, that was it. Like, I got so used to heartache growing up watching England play. So, yeah, yeah. And and it continues to this day. It continues. They're, they're kind of the Toronto Maple Leafs of, of world soccer. Yeah, but whenever yeah. anybody says that, I remind them that, that Toronto has a, an opportunity every year to win the Stanley Cup. That's true. And this That's is true. only ever four years. But... Yes. It's not an excuse. It's just the reality of this. Right. Unless you include the um, European championships in there as well. And then it's every second year they have a chance to win some kind of a national major trophy. I appreciate you clarifying that. Yeah, no problem. So, so when the song was recorded, the, the idea was, okay, you know, Hey, new order. We want you guys to write this song to, um, to celebrate the team and the, and the world cup. And, you know, it's, it's big in Canada, but it's huge in other parts of the world. They had asked the team, to, to come and, and record along with, with the team. And various members, for various reasons, decided that they, they weren't going to show up. So, for, so less than 10 players actually came to the recording session. And, and you'll hear them singing in the chorus towards the end of the song. They actually uh, sing as part of the chorus. Probably the most famous part of the song, and it's part that gets separated from the song even to this day and, yeah. and is quoted by, by English soccer fans all over the world and in all kinds of different matches, whether it's a club match or an international match. And that's the John Barnes rap, the famous yeah, yeah. or infamous John Barnes rap in the middle of the song. Le- and Liverpool, it was actually... Liverpool legend. Exactly. So again, and this this is totally coincidental, by the way, that, that this happens to be a, a Liverpool tie-in here as well. But John Barnes was a Liverpool player at the time. And uh, the story is that apparently one of his teammates actually improvised or sort of wrote the, the rap for him. And and he performed it, and uh, it's become taken on a life of its own, really. John Burns and, and his and his rap. And the other thing that's that's kind of neat about this song is that you know England was coming off of uh, an era of a lot of bad. The eighties were a bad time for for English football and the world scene because of various incidents around the world. In terms of there was a lot of focus on on hooliganism. In fact, English clubs had been withdrawn from a lot of European competitions through the late eighties. Some of that. Uh, again, a result of Liverpool and um, some of the actions at, at Heysel, which was another incident where um, in the uh, UEFA Champions League final between Juventus from Italy and Liverpool from England was um, a brawl in the stands uh, instigated by English fans. Mm. And um, a number of uh, Juventus fans ended up being killed in that, in that incident. And that resulted in, in kind of a crackdown by the UK government on hooliganism in soccer. Yeah. So one of the themes of the song is they wanted something upbeat that 
would not promote hooliganism or, or, or in any way try to uh, nationalize, uh, promote nationalism that could then lead to hooliganism by a bunch of drunk idiots. Mm-hmm. So this was the result. It's, it's kind of a happy, upbeat song. And you got to check out the fantastic rap that's in the middle of this song. So this is World in Motion from New Order. You can, cause I'm the man. I want your look. There's probably two people in Halifax that would give that a thumbs up and they're on this show right now. Yeah, that's it's like, right. It's, a, it's like, it's a funny one because if Matt was listening, if our producer was on the show right now, he'd be like, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that? But, but I love it. I mean, it's, uh, it bring, for me, it brings back childhood memories. I mean, yeah. I was 10 when that song came out and running around like an idiot uh, at hotels watching these games with my dad's sneaking sips of their beer. I mean, it was, it really does bring back so many memories. Oh yeah, for sure. That Another funny thing is not to go back to Oshawa, my room roommate with a deviated septum, <laughs> but I have wouldn't to let you watch the TV. I, I have to, uh, because at that time it was 91, uh, new order had just released, uh, get ready, which was their seventh studio record. And there was a song on it called Crystal. And it was actually on my list, my potential list for tonight. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard Crystal. It's a yep, great I have. song. And I love it. And it's different than, I think, most of the New Order stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like a really like a rockin' song. I, I remember up there, I had too much money. Because remember, I was working that job at uh, on the Oshawa car plant. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe we're going back to this again. And I decided when I went in, the dumb, the dumb human I was at the time, I wasn't feeling well on the, the first day I started the job. So... Uh, I was sitting there in signing papers on how they were going to pay me. And uh, I really felt nauseous. And the guy next to me, I looked over what, what he was writing on his forms. And he just wrote a big no tax. Uh, and then underlined it. I was like, well, shit, I'm just going to do the same thing. And so under the assumption that I didn't need to pay tax that year because <laughs> I wasn't going to make enough money for it to make a difference. So the first time, the reason my friend, my, my roommate at the time was buying the Triton and you know, spending too much time on the, on the phone, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to get something for my room. So I ended up going out and buying like turntables, a mixing board, uh, <laughs> two big ass monitor speakers. Like, I mean, I could have put on like a little rave in my small apartment by the time I was finished. And I was picking up records when I go into Toronto. And this uh, New Order Crystal song was one of the first records that I ever had. I, I might, I don't know if I got rid of those records or, or not, but it's a great song. And, and that's, that's just like a, an interesting thing. I don't know when New Order's first record came out, but they were around for a long time time and and released a ton of would have been early 80s because i think joy division's last album was 81 yeah so 81 somewhere so around there decades. so it would have been yeah so it would have been yep yep i don't know when their last record came out but uh it's it's interesting when you listen to this i mean this there's no question that this song sounds as dated as it could possibly sound. John Barnes is, is a hilarious rapper to the point where he's like, he's never practiced that. He no. probably got in front of the mic and it's like, I remember doing a, like a rap album with a, a few friends back in the day and like, 
and one and one of our one of us was just he he would bust out some good verses and then others he'd swear he was just learning to read. <laughs> and it sort of it sort of sounds like that with John yeah. Barnes. But the late eighties, early nineties rap was getting a bit more sophisticated, but it has that early to mid eighties kind of cadence to it. Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. My name is Mike and I'm here to say, <laughs> yeah, I like rocking every day, you know, it's kind of stuff. And it, uh, <laughs> you should, you should have, I hope we've got a recorder. We'll put it in. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a whole album like that. And, and so it, you can, you can tell that he was listening to, I, I'll say, you know, early eighties rap and, and tried to emulate that just based on the cadence in his voice. Totally. Um, but you're right. He's probably like somebody just handed him these lyrics that they wrote down on a napkin and he's like, okay, well, hold or pass, you know, do it at the right time. But he just has that that hilarious cadence to his voice. And you know, when you when you think about again, this this is becoming the soccer theme show. But when you think about uh, watching some of the World Cup and, and um, European Championship games, and and this song in, in, inevitably comes up, it, it's always fun to listen to. Um, the other one is Three Lions on My Chest. Three Lions. Um, Three Lions. Yeah. But if you put the lyrics aside, because you're right, it is quite dated in the in the lyrics and so on. The music behind it is actually very good. It's a very good song. If you were just to listen to the music, if they had the instrumental version of that and you took yeah. the lyrics out of it, the, the music itself, I guess it's, it's pretty stereotypical new order, but uh, just the drum track and some of the sampling that's in it, the, the commentator, they, they took... Um, Bits of commentary from the 1966 World Cup, which was the last time England won. Yeah, they're they actually had that. the original commentator. Yeah. yeah, the original commentator came in and re-recorded his. Some of the crowd are on the pitch. They think it's all over, um, and, and so they they kind of intersperse that throughout the song. The lyrics, some of the lyrics themselves, again trying to get away from all the negativity in in soccer, especially English soccer at the time. With yeah, the world is in motion and love sure. makes love puts the world in motion, and uh, this isn't a. Uh, we ain't no hooligans. This isn't a football song. You know, they talk about that in the song and kind of make that very clear. So I, I don't know. It's just a fun song. I mean, I could have picked a lot of other songs, but I thought, uh, I think, I, I think you could have, one. you could have picked a lot of other new order songs and yep. they were, they were pushing my list. There was a few others. And yep. uh, I think in this case, you've gotten lucky with the recipient. On this yeah, side. that's right. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> one person on this side that would have been like, yeah, man, totally thumbs up. Yeah, that's right. Most people would have been like, what? What the hell uh, is that? Uh, but st- well strategically chosen. The, the, um, the, the other funny story about this, not to, to drag this on too long, but Monday nights, and this story will probably come up again at some point, but but back in the day, in the early 90s, Monday nights at Scoundrels was CKDU night. Oh, yeah. And we used to go, our, our bunch of... My friends and I used to go. We'd start out at uh, the sea, the seahorse, the old seahorse on Argyle, and we would play darts and drink there. That's always a good combination. And then we would head from there to Scoundrels for CKDU night. Uh, Scoundrels was a video bar, video dance bar. So they had a big video screen above the dance floor where they would show the music videos for all the songs they were playing. And we we knew the VJ who who was. Uh, played who played all the music on monday nights so we could pretty much get him to request whatever we wanted especially where it was ckdu night i mean anything went people just sort of moped around on the dance floor and so this was one of the songs that for whatever reason almost every week we would go down there we would ask him to play the song and almost every week he would comply so i would say at least once a month if you were at scoundrels on a ckdu night on a monday you, you probably heard or saw the video for the song because we got him to play it a lot 
Uh, a huge thumbs up. A thumbs up for my English uh, football fans and not the hooligans. When you feel a tear in your eye, then it's okay. It's okay to cry. Well, Mike, uh, we're, we're going to move for three on. now. You're, we're all three, we're three for three. Um, we're moving into dangerous territory yeah. um, for me, anyways, because uh, I, I've got a couple songs. They're maybe a little more expected than uh, the previous three, but it's really hard not to. It's really hard not to play them. Um, it's really hard not to play this one, and it's it's a song that everybody's probably heard. Uh, a million times uh, because it's it's been played so much but uh, it's a song that's been shrouded in controversy ever since it came out due to a sample that was used uh, from a Rolling Stone song the last time and it ended in a plagiarism charge that has only recently uh, in April of 2019 20 years later 20 years wow. over 20 okay. years later the royalties for this song were handed back from Jagger and Richards to Richard Ashcroft of The Verve. 20 years. And you can only imagine the hurt uh, that would have been put on the band. Uh, this was their third studio album. It was a great record. And, and I could play multiple songs on this record that have stuck with me. Sonnet, Lucky Man, The Drugs Don't Work. The whole record is a, it's a real beauty. And it's, it's an absolutely massive tune. And it had a massive video of Richard Ashcroft walking down the street and bumping into everybody with a leather mm -hmm. jacket on. I mean, there was, it was so cool. And it had just so much attitude that I still love it. And I, and I, I know it's the defining song of the Britpop movement, essentially. Like, it really is. Like, Oasis and all that stuff. You know what? I'm going to say it now. Oasis had some good songs. The guys are dicks. And I can't, oh, yeah. I can't get over that. Their voices aren't great. You know, their voices are a bit of a pain in the ass. The fact that they would just crank the orange amps and just like, I don't know, like, yeah, it, it just all felt a little bit too close to the Beatles for me uh, in terms of the progressions and stuff. Whereas this felt sort of fresh and interesting and the, the, the songs had atmosphere and breathing space. Um, so when listening to this song, pretend like you've never heard it before. I know it's hard, but picture this being the thing that you've just heard for the first time. I think it still belongs on this list and I'm gonna play it. It okay. is Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. still holds up as a great song lyrically it's it's an interesting one after going through what we've gone through tonight some of the strong the, the lyrics are super strong the the songs that we've listened to and in this one i feel like it's it's a lot about the cadence of his his voice right yeah this is a song that is probably a minute to a minute and a half too long Hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. I, I I like when it's when it first starts the, the when the strings first start, and then like you said the drum beat comes in over top of it, you get that feeling from the song, 
and you're you're into the song or i am anyway into the song into the song and then it's like okay he's still going another verse he's still going it almost gets to be too much after a while and and it actually got to the point with this song where if i heard it coming on let's say the radio or it came on one of my spotify playlists um i would actually skip the song yeah because it had been so overplayed yeah and it's too too long, too repetitive, and uh, and and um, too overplayed, in my opinion. But you know, I, I went into it again with an open mind, as you suggested at the beginning of this. Uh, at the beginning of the song, listen to it again as if you're hearing it for the first time. You go back to when I, I and you mentioned the video of him walking down the street, just walking through people, and and people are bouncing off him like, "Who's this asshole?" If you go back to those days, as if this is the first time you're listening to the song, it is a good song. If you don't know all the, the history and the baggage of the song, and you focus on on just the music itself, it is a good a good song. If you if you strip away all of that, I have to give it a thumbs up because because of of the the musicianship in the song and the music itself. If you're, I, I just wish car. it was about a minute and a half longer, uh, shorter. Yeah, if you're skipping it in the car. That's a reason alone to give it a thumbs down. And that's okay. If you, if you feel like it, that is a, uh, what do we call a them? Dud? A dud? Not a dud. <laughs> a, a, um, a compassionate vote up. <laughs> then you can, you can vote it down and that's okay. In my mind, this was the one on my list. I was like, do I play it? Do I not play it? I played it because it still gets played on my, in my, on my playlist. It'll still go through. I'll put it on when we're driving. I just, it's still one of those songs where I'm just like, dink, gonna throw it on. It still sounds great to me. I think if I listen to this tomorrow or on the weekend, again, focusing on this is the first time you're hearing this song. If I played it for one of my, my, my kids who probably haven't heard the song before and listened to it with them, they would probably say, wow, that's a cool song. I really like that song. The problem for me is that it's just been overplayed. There's been so much made of this song and like i said it does start to get a bit repetitive towards the end but i i think if i step back from that i i, I am going to give it a thumbs up not right. not out of compassion just because i do think it was a good piece of music that came out at that time um, i think you're just, right yeah it's unfortunate how it sort of devolved into to, at least for me where it is now where it's like typically i would skip that song but you know what i'm probably not going to skip it for a little while anyway the next few times i listen to it i probably won't skip it yeah, it's got me going, wanting to go back to that record. And I mean, I yeah, know well, you mentioned Lucky Man. Lucky Man, yeah. if you had played that, I would have given that a, a, a thumbs up right away. That, because that that's was, a really good song off that's of that. That's a great song. Album. Yeah. And I think that's probably, you know, it's good to know they weren't as, they weren't super one dimensional. They had right. other, other great songs. Um, around that time, there was some great, there's other great bands too that would come into mind. Um, Spiritualized was huge. And there was an interesting rift between Spiritualized and, uh, the Verve because of oh, really? the, girl, the girlfriend of the spiritualized uh, leader going over to Richard Ashcroft. Oh yeah. So there was yeah, there's, <laughs> there's tons that. of great drama between that and 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 the the album from Spiritualized, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I think we we're floating in space is also considered to be an absolute classic. And mm. I could have played another song by by them, which is also orchestrally beautiful as well okay so maybe a miss uh, on my part in terms of playing the predictable one but uh we all learn our lessons i'm gonna we're, we're gonna give it the thumbs up based on what we've heard here tonight a lot of the the other stuff has been maybe a little bit stronger but this is still a good one here we go we're giving it a thumbs up when you feel a tear in your eye 
then it's okay, it's okay to cry. We're getting down to it. Getting down to the short and curlies, and this is where it gets tough because I've got a list here of about uh, three or four songs that I could play. Yeah. But I am going to go, I think, with a song from Amy Winehouse. Oh. From 2006. This is off her album, Back to Black. The album is an interesting one because it was based on her relationship with Blake Fielder Civil. They had been an item, and he left Amy for an ex-girlfriend, and then left the ex-girlfriend and went back to Amy. Most of the music on the album is all about you know, how she felt about that, obviously horribly, and uh, the mixed feelings that she had. And this particular song is the, is the title track from the album. And it was basically, again, about her feelings of how she felt when he left her. As we know, Amy, Amy eventually died of, of, uh, of alcohol poisoning, I believe. But in this particular song, the black is commonly thought to refer to heroin, which she was also addicted to. Yeah, and that she basically, when when this happened, she decided to go back and you know hit the heroin hard. It's a heartbreaking song, but you know what? It has this sort of Motown girl group feel uh, from the '60s, and in fact, it's been described as 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 a sort of a Phil Spector, Brian Wilson, a Wall of Sound type of song. But it's a throwback to those girl groups of of the '60s. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember this song getting airplay here so much but it was a it was a pretty big hit in the uk and it's it's a really great song i'll let you listen to it and then we will um we'll talk about it if this is back to black by amy winehouse we Black from Amy Winehouse. Um, interesting song. You can really hear the heartbreak in the lyrics. Um, her vocal is so great in that song. She had such a fantastic voice. Um, crazy voice. Crazy voice. The and the whole story of Amy Winehouse is so sad too. Just um, you know, young, taken in her prime, just fell to her addictions. You know, she talks about uh, about him being um, hooked on blow, and she's on on poe or powder, but also going to to the to the heroin um, to sort of deal with the pain of him leaving her to get his dick wet, basically as she says, with with the safe bet. It has that you know the, the, that that girl group feel, the Phil Spector. You can definitely feel that Phil Spector um, uh, influence. influence on the song, yeah. but yeah, yet for sure. it's almost like a dark Phil Spector a dark uh, version of those, of those sixties songs, because it has a, maybe it's in a, a minor key, but it's also a little bit slower, like do, do, do mm-hmm. just a little bit darker, a little bit slower, a little bit more funeral dirge type of thing. So when you know the whole story, uh, you, you take in the whole story of Amy Winehouse and, and, and her demons, that that's what I, where I get the, the, the feels, I guess, from this song and, and the, the story of the song as well. Yeah, it's an incredibly sad story. Uh, I I watched the 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 documentary. I think it was called Amy. Just yeah, that's right, Amy. Yeah, and how much she was surrounded by toxic people, including 
Well, at least the movie portrayed it to be her father, mm. which was a really like j- just painted in a way where it was it was so sad because mm-hmm. you could tell that she needed somebody, right, uh, and just didn't get it from any anywhere uh, that was at least close to her, and even back to her father. And I don't think even in in her death, at least the movie um, suggested it that that he ever. I don't know, really remorse that the situation that maybe he put her in. It's a tragic story. What an incredible artist. I mean, when you see pictures of Amy Winehouse as an early artist, she's beautiful and vibrant and happy. And then you see her later on and she's unhealthy looking. Oh, yeah. You can tell she's just, I remember that time, like the, the media was all over her. Mm-hmm. And they were traveling around and they were following her, uh, Pete, Pete Doherty and the Libertines, who apparently, you know, they, they said that they were, the, they were this couple and that, that, you know, he was essentially killing her at the time. But I don't know if they, was ever, they were ever a couple or if they were just hanging out together, but they were relentless on that. It was tabloid heaven for, right, yeah. for the UK. And I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, but the UK, their tabloids are terrible. Oh, they're brutal. And, and if you're on the receiving end of that, I mean, you wouldn't have a life. You no. would just be destroyed. So it's a really uh, cool listen, actually, to to go back to it. I never uh, listened to the lyrics as close. And I don't know if I ever paid any attention to the first two lines. I don't know if I realized she said that, said that but like, he left no time to regret. He, uh, he kept right. his dick wet. And it's just like, holy shit, what a way to start a song. I like, know. I know. all of a sudden, you're yeah. like, whoa. And then, you know, the troubled tracks and then her going back to black. And I didn't realize, right. I didn't get the connection there either. And, and yeah. when you hear her sing that sort of on repeat towards the end, you're like, right. oh, shit. And of course, troubled tracks, you know, needle tracks in her arms, probably. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, I think that's a really powerful song, actually, although it was a hit. It was you- big in the UK. Uh, I don't really remember it being a hit here, but it was huge in the UK. I remember hearing it quite a bit, and I remember thinking, "Man, that would make the best James Bond song as well." Yeah, that's it, true. It's such a maybe, great except for the lyrics. The music itself would be great for James Bond. I don't know. James yeah. Bond's pretty good at keeping it liquid. I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, um, and addicted but, to heroin. Yeah, but I think it's a it's a great song, super powerful. Amy Winehouse was somebody that was also taken too early, and uh, so that's getting really? a big thumbs up for me. Uh, here it comes, Mister Thumbs Up. When you feel a tear in your eye, then it's okay, it's okay to cry. Well, I guess I got one song left. I've got, I had so many on the list. I don't know if you'll have ever heard this song. You may have heard this. It came out around 2006. Uh, and it's funny to talk to you about this because I, I married your your uh, your beautiful sister. Um, but it was a song when I was humming and hawing about life and what to do and all this kind of stuff. And I would listen to this, and uh, it just it just sort of it the ly- lyrically it's really it's really clear, uh, it's vivid, it's not cheesy, but it just has um, it just has like a, a really interesting way of putting you in the the head, the mindset. It's almost like somebody is giving advice. And you, you're almost taking it. At least when I was listening to it, it was like, I was confused back then. I didn't know whether to stick around in Toronto or, and keep doing music, uh, right. or pouring my, you know, myself and ultimately um, uh, Alana's life into staying there and working a band or whether to, you know, screw this. This isn't, this isn't uh, 
effective in doing the other things that we want to do in life. It's not going to give us those opportunities. It's basically going to tie me down. So this song was big for me uh, when it came out and I'll leave it at that. So this is, uh, and then we can talk about it a little bit more after. This is a band called Gomez and the song is called See the World. That's Gomez, uh, a beautiful song from them. I, I don't know. The, the chorus is so, uh, it just gets me every time to see the world, you know, find an old fashioned girl. It, fe- it really feels like, <laughs> this is so funny talking to you, Mike, about it. It really feels like it's the ultimatum that right. was being presented at the time. It was like, right. lay down your arms and put us beyond doubt. You know, it basically was like me holding on to this dream of, making music for the rest of my life or moving on with with the rest of what life could be Mm -hmm. uh and i think that's probably a common thing for a lot of musicians when they're sort of uh trying to decide whether or not to to keep going because it's a tough road and i think it's just yeah it's it's sort of it's really well presented and gomez is a really interesting act as well they won the Mercury Prize actually in 1998. To go back on a couple of the things we've already revisited or revisited tonight, this was the same year Gomez uh, won Album of the Year, the Mercury Prize, for an album called Bring It On and beat Massive Attack Mezzanine, Pulp This Is Hardcore, and The Verve Urban Hymns. Really? Interesting. This wow. is not that record. This is a few years later. Okay. Um, but it's the same band. So this is Gomez, and they've, they've had, a, they've had a, a decent career. So that's my song number five. Again, like some of the other artists we've played over the last few episodes, heard of the artist, heard some of their other material, have not heard this song. I can definitely, when you tell the story, I think we've all been in that situation where it's like, I mean, in your scenario, maybe the lyrics um, hit closer to home, but the general sentiment of the song, I think we've all been in that scenario where you're sort of on that precipice of, do do I stay or do I go now? You know, do do I, do I stick or twist in this scenario? I could go down this path, but then I'm giving up probably a real life on this side, side of the fence. And I think we've all been there and can, can um, relate to that. I I like the song. I like how the, um, when you get into the chorus, it just has that nice sort of, uh, on, on the, on the, the, the offbeat, the, you get the, the the hi-hat or the tambourine kicks in. Um, it's just, it's just a nice song and the sentiment in the lyrics when you listen to it, it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I've got to make a decision here. And, um, you know, I could, I could go down this road, which is probably going to be risky and may not go. You probably so well. don't want to go down. That. Right. And I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to give up all of this over here. So, so yeah. yeah, I, I, I like that song. I like the sentiment of the song for sure. He's got an interesting, like, like old man, wise man. Right. Voice. He's got this yeah. rasp to his voice. Yeah. And it really does sound like when he's singing, he's like, he's speaking to your ego. Yeah. You know, like he's like, he's really like locking in. And I think that's really interesting. Cause like, I don't know if I've heard a song set. Like, I don't, I, I'm sure there's songs like that, but the way he's talking at you. Right is is quite unique in in the in the lyric writing so it I, it always sort of resonated 
for me, it sort of just sort of stuck home and it was perfect timing, right? Perfect timing for me. I remember listening right. to that being like, Ooh, I could really fuck things up right now. And let's, uh, let's take old man wisdom, old man Gomez's wisdom. Well, one one of the, it sort of reminds me a little bit, uh, same sort of, um, general theme. I mean, the song sounds nothing like it, but the same sort of general theme as father and son by Cat Stevens. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. someone pr- trying to, to, trying to present their, wisdom impart their wisdom onto somebody to say like settle down you know here, here here's what really this is what you need to do you know and this is what i'm telling you based on my experience and and my wisdom take my advice type of thing or here's my advice yeah yeah you wonder if this was written speaking to himself right it sound now that i think about it it feels like it almost must be you mm-hmm. know yeah. You know, see the world, find an old-fashioned girl. Maybe he was go- right. doing the same shit, you know, like touring around, like just not having a chance to settle down and like right. and take a breath and, and see clearly because of, of distractions, whatever may be drawing him elsewhere. But but uh, yeah, that's I, I love that song. It's Yeah, I'm going to give that one a thumbs up. That's another, another thumbs up. Going thumbs up. Here we go. When you feel a tear in your eye then it's okay, it's okay to cry. Mike, can you do the clean sweep? <laughs> is there pressure here? The pressure it, is on. It feels like it. It feels like the pressure's on, but I've, I'm, I've got, I'm confident. It's been a great night so far. Well, here's the problem is I have three songs Ooh. that I could play in my final slot and is trying to decide which way to go with this. I could go in the direction of a hip hop song that was a number one hit in the UK mid two thousands. I could go with a harder rock sound that harkens back to sort of the late seventies kind of arena rock sound. That's almost a parody of itself. (laughs) Or I could go with an indie pop group. I'm going to call it almost post shoegaze Scottish band. And I think that's the direction I'm going to go in. I think I'm going to play um, a, a song by uh, Camera Obscura, Ooh, who are a, a nice. Scottish alternative band. Okay. Um, this is off their 2009 album called My Maudlin Career. There were some really great songs on this. If you don't know Camera Obscura, it's a group. Um, Tracy Ann Campbell is the lead singer. They had a, a, a half a dozen albums probably through five at least albums through um, from, from the early 2000s through to uh, 2000, I think 13 was their last album. Unfortunately, one of the members of the band, Carrie Lander, who played keyboards and sang, sang ba- backup vocals, um, she passed away in 2015. I think she was only 31 uh, from cancer. And so the band has sort of been in a hiatus since then, although Tracy Ann Campbell has done some solo stuff. The, the band has some really great, I call it, I guess, jangle pop music yeah, dream pop sort of dream thing. pop dream pop type of stuff her lyrics I, I, I don't know that i've ever seen a video music video of theirs or even a live performance of theirs where she's smiling she's always very uh downcast looking very serious very serious looking not even serious just very sad looking and her the, the lyrics for a lot of their songs are, are about love and losing love or trying to find love and this song is no different but it has a really great feel to it so the, the lyrics are a little bit sad but the the feel of the song is really uh really good so this song is uh, from camera obscura this is honey in the sun honey in the sun 
Isn't that a lot of fun? Definite wall of sound going on in there as well. I love the brass solo, basically, in the middle of the song. Uh, definitely uh, led by a saxophone, obviously, with referenced in the chorus. I also really like the chord change in the chorus. There's a, there's a, in a couple of the, uh, the first time through the chorus and the last time through the chorus are some interesting chord changes. It's one of those songs when you, when you hear it sort of for the first time, and even now that I've heard it a number of times, it's those chord changes and it's that unexpected brass solo in the middle of the song yeah. that, that really catch you. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the song. The brass, you don't hear a lot of songs that have that brass behind it. And the lyrics themselves, like in the chorus, like, I wish my heart was as cold as the morning dew, but it's as warm as saxophones and honey in the sun for you. But it, that's just a really great line, great way to describe a yeah. feeling of love. You're trying to get over this person and yeah. trying not to have emotions and, and, and feelings for this person, but you just can't get over this feeling of saxophones and you know Kenny G <laughs> and honey in the sun. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, good yeah. song, really good song, lots of fun. And that whole album, actually, My Modeling Career has a couple of other. French Navy, I think, is the lead single off of that. and It's, it's really called My Modeling song. Career? My modeling, M A U D L I N, modeling career. Modeling career. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've never listened to much Camera Obscura, but I've heard them mentioned by you uh, a few times. It's interesting that you say shoegaze, uh, post shoegaze, because it really feels like a bit of a wall of sound in terms of like the dynamics of the song don't really change much throughout. It just sort of goes and like you've got all this sound and you can hear everything. It's very clear, mm -hmm, right. uh, but there's no like quiet moments. Really, it's just sort of like, no, we're gonna rip this, and it's gonna right. be, it's gonna be good. I, I really, I, I, I really liked it. It felt like I was hearing. Obviously, it's this relationship that has obviously gone south, and she feels like she can't get over him. I wish my heart would go cold. Basically, like, yeah, right. I do not want to have these warm, fuzzy feelings for you because you're a bit of a dick. And, right. or, or maybe he's not even a dick. He's just like, he's just, he's not into it. And you feel for her, right? She's yeah. just like, no, I'm like, I don't want to feel these feelings, but boom, right. when I see you, I want nothing more than you. You know, right. it's like yep. that. And I can't say everybody's been through it, but you know, those, those early stages of love or maybe something that hasn't worked out where you really wanted it to work out. And that other mm -hmm. person was like, eh, this isn't really for me. And like, but you know, you've had enough moments to, to obsess mm -hmm. about that and you can't get it out of your mind and it feels like that's the story that's being told here. I really liked it. I thought it was a great song. I really like the instrumentation. I like her voice. I like the, it's fun to be sad in a weird way on that song. It's just sort of like, ah, things are sort of shit. And they, they have that sort of uh, happy to be sad feeling type type of thing. And sort of and juvenile too, right? Like it's like it is you know, yeah. excess baggage and other stupid band stuff. Yeah, like that's a that's a line in the song. Like it's sort of fun. Uh, it's sort of fun that it, I don't know how old she was when they wrote these lyrics, but it just it has a casualness to it that is charming. She's obviously with the band and they're traveling because she's talking about planes going up and down, and I'm away from you. And meanwhile, you're hanging out with people from the nearby town and uh, see, seeing other people that obviously gets to her too. It's kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm going away for a few months with the band. We're going to be yeah. traveling and you're going to be here, right? Like you're going to be waiting for me. And you can see him or her saying, yeah, I don't know. I might like to see some other people while you're gone. So yeah. she's like, well, you know what? I'm going to turn my heart cold. But then as soon as I see you or think about you, or like all I can think about is you, 
you know, even though I'm trying to be cold and cold hearted, I, I can't help but but feel for you. So, which is an interesting perspective you. because I think when you ever when when anybody ever looks at like you know, hey, I want to be a rock star. I want to be on the road. I want to be. Doing, it's like the glamorous life that might be on right. the road, where it's like, oh, I'm going to pick up this person or this person, or like, you know, endless supplies of of whatever you want in excess. Mm-hmm. And but in actuality, it's probably never like that no or maybe it's like that when you're drinking and you or if you're that kind of band like if you're a motley crew style band or whatever yeah. <laughs> but but the majority is probably like shit man i'm on the road again i'm not who with the person that i want to be with at home i'm with these four other people that yeah i like them but like they're not going to give me what i you know what i long for which is probably to be you know settled and at home without sleeping in a hotel every night so yeah that's right um it's it's a cool perspective on that i i really liked it that was another great song that's a clean sweep when you feel a tear in your eye then it's okay it's okay to cry my gosh i don't think that's ever happened is this a first this is a first geez matt really put us on our toes i think when he was ever you know he said some harsh things that producer and so um, maybe they're just were clean sweeps from here on out. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time contemplating my musical choices this week. Yeah, you know, I, I got burned a couple of times. I wasn't prepared for uh, the uh, the intellect, the music intellect of Matt Charlton when he was on the show. So <laughs> few, Matt, few of us are. Matt, thanks for whipping us right into shape. Um, and to be honest, if he was on the show tonight, there's probably a few of these that he would have X'd. Oh, but. there is no chance that Bittersweet Symphony would have survived. Uh, world in motion and world in motion i think maybe the others would have got by i'm yeah, not sure yeah. i don't know i don't know maybe uh but there's no guarantees i think i would have been in trouble for bittersweet symphony because i didn't play uh the counter score to that which would be spiritualized and uh and i think right maybe, uh that should have been played actually instead of the verb just for uh, for change of pace but that's okay we made it through and we made it through unscathed. I think we're going to try uh, in the coming weeks to get some requests coming in. And and Mike, how are we going to do that? I think we're going to set up an email. Uh, yeah, we're going to set up an email account. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll set up an email address. Um, we have a, uh, some social that's on media the internet, presence. Right? <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> I usually connect to my, my 2400 baud modem yeah. and dial up my... And, uh, and, and send it in DOS mode. Send it in DOS. Yeah, I, I edit it in a, in a DOS editor. Either that, um, or carrier pigeon to your yeah. to your underground. Um, uh, my bus. bus. Yeah, yeah, my bus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I come out once a day. I send the ferret out, and the ferret goes and gets my mail. <laughs> you're you're, you're really you're really taking this COVID thing seriously. Yeah, very seriously. Yeah, we we've, we're going to set up uh, an email address, uh, which is electronic mail. Uh, we're yeah. also setting up uh, <laughs> social media presence now. We have uh, an so Instagram. What is social media? Is that yeah, um, social media? I feel like it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's magazines that get sent to your house with like uh, things with the, with prices on them, you know, like the daily deals or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the deal. <laughs> I mean, like consumers distributing? <laughs> consumers <laughs> distributing. <laughs> you went in and like everything was on the wall and you picked out, oh, I want A7. Yeah, that's um, social media, right? Okay. That's social media. Kind of the same idea. So 
Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> all those kinds of stuff. We're going to be having an Insta story going. We sound like we know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. we're going to have... <laughs> Your daughter's going to run a I was just going to say, little do people know that we have a 17-year-old who's going to actually take care of this for us. Yeah. Get us into the um, kind of the, the mainstream the um, of today's culture. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll even come up with a YouTube channel where we can like plug products. Right? Yeah, like you know, I this like episode is brought to you by Crest White Strips. Um, for, <laughs> and then for, for all your anal bleaching needs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to We got to at least go. Speaking you know, of the tingles, yeah, that really yeah. tingles. <laughs> <laughs> We're ending the show on anal bleaching. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah. what a way to end it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, if people in coming episodes, you plan to have. Uh, some, some more guests uh, come on and, and play us some songs, take the heat off of us for a little bit. A few focus shows. Few, Fo- uh, focus few shows, shows, exactly. Yeah. And a uh, request show, a request show or two. So we'll be looking for people to send in songs that make them tingle. And we'd be looking for not just the song, but maybe the reason why. Some story around why this song means something to you, why it makes you get the yes. feels. And, and, and we're going to um, play that. We're going to yeah. play that before. Right. We hear it for the first time. Right. Is that right? That is correct. We'll I think play that's it, the way to do it. That We'll play it and the song itself, the reason why you feel that this is a song that gives you the tingles and we will then listen to the song in that context and then we will give it our thumbs up or thumb down. Yeah. You'll be judged. Uh, live pre-recorded <laughs> radio. That's right. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be Me a too. nice thing. We've, uh, we've played a lot of our favorites and... And uh, the beauty of this is is sharing others. So uh, we look forward to doing that. We'll let you know how to get involved. And uh, that's it for tonight, Mike. That's it for episode six, The British Invasion. We're, we're finished. If you've made it to the end of this podcast, that would suggest you've enjoyed it, which is awesome. Please do us a solid and review it or share it with your music buddies and anyone who may be interested in a lighthearted review of some of the songs that have impacted so many over the years. Until next time, keep tingling.